I'd like to take a moment to let you all know about a new nonprofit organization started by my brother Craig. It's called Treats and Truth. They fill oversized brown lunch bags with snack items, chips, crackers, popcorn, cookies, etc. Also, a bottle of water, toothbrush, toothpaste, sanitary wipes, and most importantly, a small gospel tract book of John. No cigar? I'll have to talk to him about that. The bags are then hand-delivered to the homeless and people in need in and around the Los Angeles area. Let's help get this ministry off the ground. They're a 501c3 tax-exempt organization, so any and all donations are tax-deductible and greatly appreciated. Visit their website at treatsandtruth.org. Check out the show notes for the link. Also, please follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you. Welcome to episode 70 of the Burning Bush podcast, where we share the message of the Bible while enjoying a good cigar. Glad you could stop by this week and uh, hope you're doing well. This week, I am smoking the Sobra Mesa by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. So let's go over to the uh, Dunbarton website and see what they have to say. Sobra Mesa, over the table has no precise English translation, perhaps because there is no cultural equivalent in the U.S. It is an idiom used among the Latin culture to describe the leisurely time spent tableside after you have finished dining, but before you rise. It's, it's the experience of lingering casually with family and friends in conversation, relaxing, drinking, smoking, and in, enjoying each other's company. Sober Mesa is one of life's simplest yet greatest pleasures. Sober Mesa will be continuously crafted. However, the pace of its production is being dictated by the tobaccos themselves and therefore will be limited in its availability via select purveyors for the foreseeable future. And the tasting notes are a lush liga with a creamy core laced with abundant notes of cedar, cocoa, and Café, which is punctuated by a telecherry peppercorn retrohale. Pleasing to the nose and providing the smoker a delightfully sweet, lingering finish. And the wrapper is uh, Ecuadorian Habano. Binder is San Andreas Negro. And it has uh, various uh, filler tobaccos. It is a medium profile and the Vitolas are Gran Imperialis, 7x54, Elegante and Cedros, 7x50, Cervantes Fino, 6x46, the El Americano, 6x52, Robusto Largo, 5x52, and the Short Churchill. Four and three quarters by 48. That is the Sobra Mesa 
by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. All right, with that, let's get into chapter five of The Bedrock of Christianity by Dr. Justin Bass. And the title of the chapter is Resurrection. And the section is entitled, He Was Raised on the Third Day. What made Jesus different from all the others teaching a similar message was the claim that he had been raised from the dead. Belief in Jesus' resurrection changed absolutely everything. Such a thing was not said of any other apocalyptic preachers of Jesus' day, and the fact that it was said about Jesus made him unique. Bart Ehrman, How Jesus Became God The New Testament writers speak as if Christ's achievement in rising from the dead was the first event of its kind in the whole history of the universe. He is the first fruits, the pioneer of life. He has forced open a door that has been locked since the death of the first man. He has met, fought, and beaten the king of death. Everything is different because he has done so. This is the beginning of the new creation. A new chapter in cosmic history has opened. C.S. Lewis, Miracles. J.R.R. Tolkien, creator of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, once gave a fascinating lecture called On Fairy Stories that lays out his philosophy of fairy stories and fantasy in general. In it, he argues that the genre of fairy should not only be associated with children, but is primarily for adults. Within this lecture, Tolkien coins a wonderful word, eucatastrophe, literally meaning a good catastrophe. Tolkien defines it as the sudden happy turn in a story which pierces you with a joy that brings tears. Every great fantasy story must have a eucatastrophe. According to Tolkien, the Hobbit's eucatastrophe is toward the end, during the Battle of Five Armies, when Bilbo is beginning to think that all hope is lost. The clouds were torn by the wind, and a red sunset slashed the west. Seeing the sudden gleam in the gloom, Bilbo looked round. He gave a great cry. He had seen a sight that made his heart leap. Dark shapes, small yet majestic against the distant glow. The eagles, the eagles, he shouted. The eagles are coming. Tolkien concludes his lecture discussing what he believes is the greatest eucatastrophe of the real world. The birth of Christ is the eucatastrophe of man's history. The resurrection is the eucatastrophe of the story of the Incarnation. This story begins and ends in joy. Describing the lecture in a letter, he writes, I concluded by saying that the resurrection was the greatest eucatastrophe possible in the greatest fairy story and produces that essential emotion, Christian joy, which produces tears because it is qualitatively so like sorrow, because it comes from those places where joy and sorrow 
are at one, reconciled, as selfishness and altruism are lost in love. When we think of the devastating blow the crucifixion was for the earliest followers of Jesus, how can we rightly describe their experience of suddenly being convinced that Jesus was alive, risen from the dead? Eucatastrophe. This was truly a sudden, happy turn that pierced the depths of their being, bringing tears of joy and wonder. We witness this unexpected joy and wonder in the responses to the risen Jesus in the resurrection stories found in the four Gospels. Focused as we are on the bedrock facts that we can discern from the earliest sources, Paul's undisputed letters, we will not look in detail at the resurrection accounts in the Gospels, but we do want to visit the earliest followers of Jesus on the night of Jesus' crucifixion. It is the unanimous testimony of the Gospels and one of the many bedrock facts from the Gospels, that on the night before the crucifixion, the night Jesus was arrested, Judas betrayed Jesus, Peter denied him, and the rest of his disciples fled. Mark 14, 43-50, Matthew 26, 47-56, Luke 22, 47-53, and John 18, 1-11. All, except perhaps his women followers, abandoned him. Ehrman writes, What is abundantly clear is that at the end, no one stood up for or put his or her neck out for Jesus. He was tried and executed alone. Let us then time travel to this very night. Good Friday night in Jerusalem to the place or places where the disciples are hiding. Whether they were all together or scattered in different places throughout Jerusalem, we do not know. What we do know is that all their hopes and dreams of Jesus as the Messiah had been crushed. The crucifixion of their leader was a death blow to their movement, as it was to a dozen or so other messianic movements around this time as we will see below. A crucified Messiah was a contradiction in terms in first century Judaism or Judaisms. What we don't know is their attitude toward Jesus at this moment. They had followed this extraordinary man for over three years, and now he was dead. Were they sad for him, weeping floods of tears for their dead master? Or were they angry, enraged at Jesus for leading them astray all these years. We can't know for sure, but either one seems plausible historically. What we can say with historical certainty, the bedrock fact that I want to focus on in this chapter, is that sometime very soon after this, possibly on the third day after the crucifixion, Sunday, these same overwhelmingly devastated followers were suddenly convinced that their crucified leader had risen from the dead. This is the next line in the creedal tradition. He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 14b 
that Jesus's earliest followers, soon after his death, became convinced that Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to them is, like the crucifixion, as historical as anything can ever be. In this chapter, I want to focus on this unparalleled, innovative claim of the earliest Nazarenes. This crucified man, Jesus, rose from the dead. Where did they get this idea of their crucified leader leader rising from the dead? We are, of course, for now assuming Jesus remained dead and did not appear to them. Many Jews at this time believed in a future bodily resurrection. Many Jews expected a Davidic Messiah figure to arrive and rescue them from their pagan oppressors, yet not one of them envisioned a two-stage resurrection in which the Messiah would die and be resurrected first, and then the general resurrection would take place at the end of this present age, let alone a Messiah that would be crucified by their pagan oppressors. According to N.T. Wright, there are no traditions about a Messiah being raised to life. Most Jews of this period hoped for resurrection. Many Jews of this period hoped for a Messiah. But nobody put these two hopes together until the early Christians did so. The historian is pressed for an explanation for this unparalleled innovation among these first century Jewish Nazarenes. If Jesus did not appear to them, then where did these ideas come from? From the mind of Peter? Mary Magdalene? James? Their claims concerning Jesus were unique, not only in the history of Judaism, but in the history of ideas in general. We must first look at the ancient Jewish understanding of resurrection and expectation of the Messiah or Messiahs to see how utterly innovative and revolutionary this claim about this crucified man, Jesus, really was. That'll end this first section of chapter 5 of The Bedrock of Christianity by Dr. Justin Bass. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links to Dr. Bass's website where you can uh, pick up your own copies of his books, check out his YouTube channel, and also check the links for uh, Treats and Truth Ministry where you can get involved with uh, bringing the gospel to the homeless and uh, blessing them. Also, groundworksministries.com for daily Bible studies and devotionals, and also the Burning Bush Podcast merchandise store where you can pick up some things to help spread the word about the show, and I'd really appreciate it if you would tell your friends. So until next week, have a great day, have a great cigar, and God bless. God bless.